what's important is to gain the lessons, I think, that come from these experiences because I'm a person who is a professional rescuer. I have all the tools and equipment to be completely off the grid and safe. And I was finding myself alone in my home at the time, the most powerful storm to ever hit the Atlantic basin came barreling through and, and made a direct hit over my, my home and tore the roof off and left me buried alive in what I call the wind coffin for almost 24 hours. And there was that dawning moment when I realized that I have no idea how I'm going to get out of this situation. Welcome to the show. You're listening to the Hope Radio Podcast, stories, profiles, and interviews of courage, triumph, and perseverance. My name is Sean Davis. I happen to be your humble host. And joining me as always, my co-host in life, my beautiful wife, her name is... Just Jen. And you're along with us as we keep this hope train and moving on down the tracks. Choo-choo. Yeah, that was good. (laughs) Hawkers of hope we are. Purveyors of positivity we are. Originators of optimism. Engineers of encouragement. I kind of reversed it a little bit. I know. I was like, whoa. <laughs> Are you trying to spell it out? It's H-P-O-E. Hapo. Oh, you did it wrong. I know. Aww. Did Is that, I should do better. Yeah. <laughs> How you doing, Jen? I am great on this beautiful afternoon. Yes, it is a beautiful afternoon, but, but. But. Just as an aside, there's a hurricane mm-hmm. barreling toward Texas and Louisiana right now. Hurricane Laura Yikes. is about to descend, and they're saying it's a category, high category four or five storm. Oh. Hurricane category five is like 200 mile an hour plus wow. winds or something like that. So praying for people uh, in the path of Hurricane Laura. Yes, for sure. And as an interesting side note, we're actually today mm-hmm. going to be interviewing and talking with somebody that has survived Two hurricanes. Category five hurricanes. What? Really? For reals? Yes. Can you believe that? No. Yeah. Riveting. That's like getting hit with lightning. Twice? Twice. I know. Or winning the lottery twice. Twice. I know. Wow. But on the bad side, not on, you know, like hurricanes are no joke. I mean, can Mm -hmm. you imagine? Like I read some of her, I'll get into her story in a a second, but I read some of her book and she talked about the pressure and she's all, imagine five hours of not being able to equalize your ears and or feeling like you're at, you know, in a plane without them kind of doing the pressure thing. I'm just like, (gasps) oh my gosh. gosh. Can you imagine the sounds that you would hear? Can you imagine what you'd (sighs) feel, what you'd sense, the power of mother nature? Wow. Crazy no. stuff. That's that freaks me out. Does it? Yeah. There's yes. there's there's a side of me, and I'm probably like our guest. I'm probably like her a little bit. Yeah. There's a side of me that like is crazy yeah. that way, like fascinated. by I was gonna it. say you 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 would be fascinated by it. Yeah, I've I've often said I've said this to to people before. I would be the guy if you go back into like the Crusades and witch hunts and things like that, and let's say somebody felt like I was a bad person. And uh-huh. so they're going to tie me up at the stake and uh-huh. they're going to, and they're going to set me on fire. <laughs> I'd be curious. how did they tie the rope? How'd they stack the wood? You know, like the curiosity of, of the actual event. Like oh, I'm geez. curious about life in general. So, you know, <laughs> that's crazy. A little wacky, but yeah, you know, a lot wacky. You love me. So yes. you love it. <laughs> I would never be curious about that stuff though. Ever. Well, I think that's, you know, what opposites attract, right? <laughs> I guess so. You ready for funny time? I'm ready for funny time. All right. Do you want me to go first or do you want to go first? Well, you tell me. I have a joke if you okay, want me to go first. go for it. Since it's, you know, we're quickly approaching the holiday season, yes. beginning with Halloween, I thought I would do a Halloween joke. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. What do ghosts like to drink the most? Gulaid. Did I get it right? <laughs> Did I get it right again? Why, why do you always burst my bubble? Do you do you read like every joke that's I out there? No, 
all jokes, except for the ones that are analytical that you like to tell me. I don't know the answers. <laughs> I've checked out as soon as you started the first you five words. You deflate my bubble when you guess my joke. I can't help it. Like, I know things. Wow. Yeah. I guess you do. All you, right. You tell your joke. You ready for mine? Yeah, I think Okay. So. How do you get a mouse to smile? Tell it a funny joke like I just did. <gasps> Say cheese. <laughs> <laughs> I should put more thought into these because the reality <laughs> of it is, is I, I should seek the opportunity to yeah. jump to the punchline of your joke. Well, like I've always said, my brain works a lot faster than yours. So I put a lot of thought into the answers. Somehow I feel like that's a subtle way of saying that you're smarter than me. I, I'm smarter at some things. Yes. And you're smarter at some things. Yes. So we're both smarter at some things. Yes. Yes. Not all the things, just some <laughs> of the things. <laughs> this is true. Well, I, I want to introduce you to, I want to call up somebody. I okay. want to get her on the line. Her name is Christine Paracas. And she is one successful, accomplished woman. She's actually an attorney, but she's a business growth architect. She's helped to grow 10 different businesses. She's been on the executive leader te leadership team of 10 different businesses into significant multi-million dollar type businesses. She had a lucrative legal practice in the entertainment industry. She's been an author. She wrote this book called The Entrepreneur's Essential Roadmap, which was a best-selling small business survival guide. She's written for USA Today, New York Times, Washington Post. She's also a 100-ton boat captain. She's like one of these hundred, like big ship boat captains. Like a cruise ship? Well, I, I think, I don't know exactly how much 100 <laughs> tons is, but it seems like pretty big. It so, seems like a lot. Yeah, so the reality of it is is that she's she's done a lot yeah. in her life. And, the, and she's written a book called The Resilient Leader. It's her most recent book, The Resilient Leader. And she talks about being in two category five hurricanes, almost back to back. And it's a riveting, riveting story. Wow. Great read. Pick it up, The Resilient Leader. But I want to call her, get her on the line and talk to her about her life and her life experiences. Yes. Shall we do it? Let's do it. I'm, I'm curious. Call her up right now. Okay. All right, I've got Christine Paracas on the line. Christine, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here, Sean and Jen. <laughs> well, we're so happy to have you, and and we just you know we marveled at the at the fact that we were going to be able to talk to you and discuss some of your life experiences, which include you surviving a couple Category Five hurricanes, which is just incredible in and of itself. But to talk with you on a day when the United States and specifically Texas and Louisiana is experiencing Hurricane Laura, I just felt like, whoa, this is this is meant to be. This is the day that we're supposed to talk about perseverance, overcoming storms, and we were excited to have you on the show. Well, I'm thrilled, and I don't wish hurricanes on anyone, and so I'm hopeful that the people in Texas and Louisiana and the whole Gulf you know, coast are safe and will come through and that, you know, anything can happen all the way up until it hits. So, you know, let's hope for a turn. I agree. All of our thoughts and prayers are, are with those that are affected. And as you describe some of your own experience navigating, you know, a category five type hurricane, it, it just really brought it home for me about how dangerous these storms can be and how violent and how aggressive and how unpredictable that they can be. And so why don't you just take us for, through just a brief explanation of who you are, what you do, where you live, and then we'll jump into, you know, some of your life experiences that I think will be fruitful for our show today. Well, I do not live in hurricane land any longer. I live in the sunny California, which has its share of natural disasters and I've been through uh, major earthquakes, de devastating fires. I've literally fought back flames from our business and the past I've had, and then two back-to-back -back hurricanes. So you'd think there was kind of a pattern here, but, you know, I, I always thought of myself as somebody who is, you know, a warrior. I've been out there on the front lines with my clients and my business as a lawyer, a business advisor, and a C-suite executive, and starting growing and expanding 10 businesses on my own and with partners and helping hundreds of clients do the same on five continents. 
I really thought I had life by the tail in terms of nothing could come at me that I wouldn't be prepared for and couldn't handle. You know, I'm a hundred ton licensed boat captain, so I can go out to sea and, and take care of lives and, and be responsible and get, you know, get to destination safely. Even I found myself up against what I now call the Category 5 situation. And there are natural disasters, and not everybody's going to relate to being in a hurricane. But many of us have been through some form of Category 5 event in their lives, whether it's financial distress or the roof blowing off a relationship or literally flooding in the streets. That is life, and it happens. And so... What's important is to gain the lessons, I think, that come from these experiences because I'm a person who is a professional rescuer. I have all the tools and equipment to be completely off the grid and safe. And I was finding myself alone in my home at the time the most powerful storm to ever hit the Atlantic Basin came barreling through and made a direct hit over my, my home and tore the roof off and left me buried alive in what I call the wind coffin for almost 24 hours. And there was that dawning moment when I realized that I have no idea how I'm going to get out of this situation. I don't have telecoms. I have no rescue plan. I have no idea what the state of the rest of the island is. I mean, we lost 85% of our housing on my island home nation. And there I was thinking, you know, the panic starts to set in. I, I had no plan. I didn't know how I was going to communicate with people down the road, much less my family or people anywhere. And I didn't know who would come for me because I hadn't even thought about that. My home was not in a place where there's foot traffic. You know, it, it, what was interesting is I, di- I did get a chance, you know, I received your book just this morning, got a chance to read some of the uh, first of the of the very first chapter. And what was what resonated with me, and I think I fall sometimes victim to this myself. I'm, I'm very resilient. I'm very capable. I'm, I'm self-assured. I, I'm confident. And sometimes that can leave us exposed. Sometimes that confidence can put your, you in a situation where, you know, you think, well, I got this. I don't, I don't need any help. And, and you were very candid about talking about that. I think that some of that resilience and some of your life lessons and accomplishments and things that you've done in your life put you in a situation where you're like, you know what, I can handle this, that, you know, this, this, this is going to be okay. Like I, I got this. And I think you were also thinking that, you know, at any minute it can turn too, because we all know that with hurricanes, you know, something can change. But, you know, when I listen to you describe what it was like, the pressure, the sound, the roof coming off the house, you know, I just, I've tried to put myself in your situation and imagine, man, I'm alone. I've got 180 to 200 mile winds coming at me. I got pressure. I mean, like, how, how did you handle that? I mean, what I know now compared to what I knew in that moment is very different, right? And the book, of course, talks about it from hindsight over time, that there was something that I could do. And this is the question I put to people. Like, if you had nothing available to you. You lost all communication. You have no social community. You have no way of reaching anyone, no telecoms and no internet, you know, and a problem to solve. What would you do? And what I did that moment when I had my hand on the door and I realized I wasn't getting out and I could feel the panic rising, I, a voice in my head said, let's use this time to learn from this experience. And I, we can all, usually all of us, pick up a pen and a piece of paper and start writing. And so that, and there's actual studies done that the act of writing connects the brain and the hand to physically writing something, activates the prefrontal cortex, which is the problem-solving portion of the brain. And so I'm not thinking about any of this, right? I just thankfully had this inspiration to say, okay, there's nothing I can do right this minute. It's dark. The storm is raging. I'm only in the second wall, and I have no idea what's going to happen, how I'm going to get out of this. But I can start remembering everything that happened and document and learn and, you know, start from the very beginning of my day and all the preparation and what mistakes I made and own those. And, you know, it literally is what got me through the next 24 hours. 
wow, I waited this thing out and probably at least saved my sanity, if not my life, you know? <laughs> I think what's really key about what you're saying is is just this idea of, you know, in my own words, I'll just say trying to extract the maximum possible benefit out of a negative situation. And what strikes me about what you did was that kicked in fairly quickly for you. I mean, almost immediately for you. And so have is that been something that you've learned to do over time based on adversities that you faced in your life preceding this? Or is that something that just kind of is just a natural thing that you've always done? Well, I guess it's a little bit of both. You know, there's been times when I've been advised. You know, I was on a been a skydiver, and when I first was going to do my first dive, somebody very experienced said to me, "Take a pencil and a piece of paper with you, and write down everything that you're experiencing as soon as you land." And because I had that exercise given to me, and I had a piece of paper and a pencil in my pocket, I was fully aware every step of the way from the time I was in the plane to when I was jumping and when I was flying and landing, everything is still to this day very clear in my memory because I wrote it down afterwards, I think, because I intended that. That was a long, long time ago. And there's been times when I've turned to writing as a way to ease a, a bad experience or you know, a terrible situation but it was never a conscious thing like, you know what, this is an exercise. I'm going to activate. I'm going to get myself thinking again, even instead of panicking, because what was the choice, right? I was going to curl up in a fetal position and just lay there and wait for my life to be over, you know, yeah. knowing that no one was going to come for me. You know, I would say that the storm being the most extreme traumatic experience of my life, and there was one two weeks later into the day. So it was back to back category five that I had yet another and really the most profound opportunity to learn that. So now it's a part of my choice, my conscious awareness, and I would make that choice every single time. And, you know, I'm a writer. I'd already had a book out, you know, that was a bestseller and all that. And so, um, you know, that was the beginning of this current book and, um, and, and a far more intentional way of going about my life. What I like about it, it's recognizing that instead of being in a situation, it's almost like you're going to work on the situation. You know, I used to say, because I was a financial advisor for 22 years, I said, you can either you can either be consumed by your business and, and be in it, or you can work on it. And I think it's the stepping outside of the present situation to write that stuff down. I think that's that's awesome. I think that it's very similar. Jen and I have four boys. And at the start of the pandemic, I said, guys, listen, you're going to want to write down some of your memories from this. You're going to want to journal like, it, you know, just take some right. time each and every day to go through what you're feeling, what you see, what you hear, what's happening, et cetera. Because, you know, 20 years from now, when you're talking to your kids about it, they'll want to know. And 40 years when you're talking to your grandkids about it, they'll want to know because this is like once in a hundred years or longer kind of an event. And I think that's what you're talking about. It's that it's that immediate spark to go, okay, I'm going to take me out of my, my worry about the present situation and just this fetal position. And I'm just going to start to write. I'm going to write down what, what what's going on, the pressure, the wind, the sounds, the noises, the experience. I mean, I've heard people call it a freight train it just sounds like and then it's unbelievable pressure and and unrelenting and hours and hours and no light and you know I think some people are probably going through that right now in in Louisiana and, and Texas just this idea that there's no way that somebody can get in to rescue you so you truly are alone what can you do in that moment well maybe I can write something down maybe I can remember this maybe there's going to be a lesson that I can draw from this experience after the fact see and I would say that there are many times in very different situations where you could feel exactly the same way. You could be going through a divorce. You could be having a business failure. There could be a relationship that goes sideways that you're not, you know, somebody dies in your family or that you're close to. All of these things are a choice point where we can be utterly buried by the aloneness of our experience, right? And once I was rescued and out into my community, I was no longer alone but the experience of going through it was very singular and solitary. And I think whether you've been through a hurricane or an earthquake or a fire or none of that, you've had an experience where you felt that utter isolation, like you're the only one in this. And that's where we have to go dig deep. 
you know, is to stay out of that because our culture really applauds it. We think that, it, you know, if you're able to prove something that you can do it, this can-do attitude and we shouldn't need help and we shouldn't be vulnerable, our entire, you know, cultural system is built on that. And um, I remember when I got my captain's license and it was a huge slog to go through all the requirements and the paperwork and everything there is to do. And um, I had a friend who was a very far advanced uh, licensed captain and, and I was like longed for his help, you know, and um, after the fact, he told me, Oh, I thought you wanted to prove that you could do it. You know, like you wanted to do it on your own. And I thought, how many times have I exuded that kind of energy to other people who might've otherwise been helpful if I had just learned how to ask, Hey, can you give me a hand with this? How can you make this? How can I make this easier on myself? And, um, that's the piece that was what I had to come to terms with. I think that all of us need to, that there are instances, situations, events that happen that are bigger than what we can handle no matter how competent we are. And I'm one of those pretty competent people just like you guys and thinking, you know, uh, there's not much I can't do. And that's how I went home alone that night. And I was with, you know, 10 people that not one person I knew on the Island where I live uh, had gone home alone or that I knew had endured that first storm alone. And I thought, what could I have been thinking? And I just wasn't. I was doing what was natural to me, what was, I was complacent about it. I had this whole pattern of behavior and I was unaware. And so if I have any message for anyone, no matter what you're going through in a category five situation, don't go it alone. Yeah, I think that's well, well said. I, I get you 100%. And I, and I think I fall victim to that myself. I think sometimes your confidence and that tough exterior and I can handle anything and I'm in, you know, I'm capable and I'm in charge, etc. can can be a, a weakness to the armor. It can it can be a deficiency that is not easy to see for people that have you know, accomplished a lot in their life or done a lot and pursued and, and, and driven and success and, and things like that. You can make you think, well, you know, I haven't met anything I haven't been able to handle yet. So, you know, I'm sure I'll be able to handle this, you know, and I think that that kind of, uh, of a uh, false bravado or that I think it can, it can put yourself in a, in a situation where you're, you're exposed. And I think that's what you're saying. And, you know, what I was most interested in, in talking with you about is the, is the strategies that you've learned, because I think that there's right now, Christine, a lot of people that are facing their own version of a category five storm, you know, to your point, I think right now during the pandemic, I think that, that, that divorces are on the rise, spousal abuse and child abuse is on the rise. You know, you've got more people drinking, you've got people losing jobs, you've got you know, I think about a, a business owner with a gym or a restaurant that hasn't been able to, I mean, maybe they were successful, they had three or four, and then all of a sudden the pandemic has just brought them to their knees. And so I think that there's a lot of different versions of category five storms going on right now in a lot of people's lives in 2020. And so what what perspective advice um, counsel could you give us as to, as to how to navigate that. The first step is don't go it alone. I hear that loud and clear, but what else do you think that somebody should consider? Well, you know, we, we talked about this before and the idea of communication, right? Having a communication plan. And I, I draw from in my book about um, a lot of my Mariner experiences because it's a great metaphor for life. And we have a rule in uh, boating that if you leave the dock, you turn on channel 16 you keep the emergency channel open. And that's uh, an understanding that we have when we go out to sea because that's our, our lifeline. And we don't recognize this when we tend to isolate in situations, just like me going home alone or somebody suffering in silence without sharing with people they've known. I, I've had friends who said they've never seen me cry. I've known for 10 years. And I thought, wow, I've been through divorce. I've been through financial distress. And you've never seen me feeling vulnerable. And, um, that was powerful to me. And so being able to say what you think, need, feel, and want and helping others to be able to communicate as well. If you're running a business and you have a team or a family that you want to, you know, help people get released for what's going on is developing communication skills and really understanding communication styles, having a plan for communication 
knowing um, that this is something that we need to rely on and it's really important. And just because we can talk doesn't mean we can communicate or that we'll be heard. Talking isn't necessarily communicating. You know, that, that, that's, that's golden right there. I, I like that a lot. And so, I mean, I know you consult with uh, business owners of all types. You've had a very successful career. You've managed um, and been part of the executive leadership team of over 10 different companies. You, you've grown uh, businesses into multi-million dollar per year revenue generating type of businesses. And so, you know, I'm curious about how you're navigating advice to others right now during the pandemic regarding either pivoting or brainstorming or ideas. I mean, this is this is something that we nobody expected coming into 2020. And and it's just really kind of upset everybody's apple cart. And I'm just wondering how you're giving advice right now relative to the, the challenges that we're all seeing, the uncertainty that we're all seeing. Well, there's a couple things, and, and one in particular, the first thing that comes to me is, and I write about this in the book, too, and my seven barometers of resilience, right, is the cornerstone of the book and, and the lessons that I think we can all use for our cat, to navigate Category 5 situations. And there is a period where you're in the storm, and then there's the aftermath. And I talk about it as managing the catastrophe after the catastrophe, and I've been looking at this for a while with people and with in terms of business. And it's that uncertainty because it's like the storm is still overhead, right? We don't know how we're going to get freed up from this. We're still, you know, buried alive, if you will, by this pandemic. It's affected our behaviors. It's affected our relationships, our ability to be out and productive in every area. And we are not on the other side of it. So it's really important to be First of all, recognize that we're not in the aftermath yet. We haven't come out into the post-apocalyptic world to see what's left of the rubble. And um, I think it's going to be a lot better than that, you know, than my experience of coming out of my shelter. But just to be able to say the storm is overhead takes pressure off, you know, that there is no um, benchmark that we have to meet right now. We have to stay alive. We have to stay open. We have to stay communicative. We have to stay in touch with what's going on and attend on a day to day, but recognize that it's still raging. And so um, that is a pressure release valve. And there are things that we can do, you know, like when we're with a team, you know, I, I think about it as like an expedition going offshore, going up to, you know, an expedition to summit a mountain where you've got only the people that are in your, well, these days we're calling them pods, right? in your families and the people that you are willing to be around or that you know are safe or that are part of your pod that you can rely on, that you can develop a new culture. This is that opportunity to create the culture that you've always wanted without having to, uh, you know, align with old social mores. And so that's a place to start where there's trust, where everybody's motivating each other, where there's good communication, where everybody feels like there's no, but nobody's slack that you have to pick up. You know, the same way you would if you were all out on a, a summiting a mountain and you were relying on each other to survive. And that's really where we are right now. And so there's that. And then um, recognizing the opportunity that this is. You know, this is a chance to pivot. I've got a number of clients who've been doing that with their business model being, you know, literally made irrelevant overnight that they have shifted into a different model or going, we see a lot going virtual, you know, making that a success or being able to maintain human relationships or connections with your teams, um, even though we can't be together. So getting really good at uh, both what we talked about before, video conferencing is the new norm, <laughs> but also staying out of video fatigue, right? You know, we have to be flexible. We have to be able to pivot. We have to look for the opportunities. And no matter where you are in the whole life cycle of this pandemic and the what do we have six months going and whatever will happen for these people that are in the eye of the storm, that um, there will be a chance to see the opportunity in it. And our mission is to do that sooner rather than later. I haven't had any downtime, you know, during this lockdown and this pandemic period. It's been nonstop action. And um, 
you know, so, but if you're not that person and if you've been in a, you know, a Netflix and chill mode, you can shift out anytime and it's never too late. No, I, I agree with that. And I think that, uh, there's great wisdom in, in some of what you've shared there. The, the nuggets that I take away from that is that number one, you, you gotta, is there an opportunity to pivot? You gotta take stock. I think the first key is really self-reflection, you know, looking at, the current situation. Okay, what is my situation? They call this the great pause. And so I think everybody has a chance to, to be in a situation where they can self-reflect and look at, okay, what's going on in my life? What's going on in my business? What's working? What's not working? And then in terms of just purely looking at it from a business perspective, that pivot is so essential. The ability to, to recognize that I need to change. I need to adapt. This is a point, an inflection point where change is occurring. And often with change, there's significant opportunity. There's a lot of opportunity. And so I think that's really what you're, what you're, um, you know, stating is that, that people that are successfully navigating thus far during the pandemic are doing so with the mindset of, okay, I'm going to get rid of, I'm not going to lament what I used to be able to do or how I used to do business. I'm going to focus on what I can do now in this current environment to continue to move forward. Yeah. And what choice do you have, right? You can curl up in a ball or you can get on a stick and get moving. And that's really the choice. And, um, you know, I personally feel like there's too much life left to experience. So I don't want to miss anything and I'm going to keep going. And um, I think that's our, our opportunity here is if we just commit to taking action you know, that something will show up and we make available, we make ourselves available for what's, how we can contribute in the world today. Yeah, whether that's networking, whether it's reading, whether it's looking at YouTube, it's watching videos, it's learning a new skill. You know, it's kind of the same thing that I said to our boys, you know, our oldest is 24 and then we've got a 22 year old, 16 and 14. And I said to Jen, I said, these kids have an opportunity unlike we ever had to, to really take the time right now while everybody's in lockdown and learn a new skill, right? Like, so yeah. right now, our oldest son, Colby, he's uh, studying for his real estate license and trying to get his real estate license taken care of. And I'm like, yeah, this is, this is awesome. Like, he's always wanted to do that. He wants to get his real estate license. And so he's using this time to be productive you know Jen and I we started the hope radio podcast to come (laughs) alongside other people you know it's 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 like what can you do right now in this moment to move yourself forward either coming alongside others or learning a new skill set developing I said that the worst thing that you kids can do is just come out of this and waste time you know like you have an opportunity to to really extract some benefit out of this what is that going to be Exactly. And, you know, for me, I had no idea, and I can only say this in hindsight, that it would take me about two years to recover fully from where the storm experiences were behind me and because uh, they were so traumatic. And I had no idea, but, you know, my inclination would have been to just like curl up in a ball, you know, and wait for it to pass. And two years later, I wake up, you know, and it's over. But that is not how life works. And so, you know, the writing of the book, it became a productive and prolific time. So even though we're in this category five situation, we can make it productive without putting the pressure on of what that has to look like. You know, and you just listed a whole bunch of things that people could do. And, um, you know, none of which has to be one way or another, right? We just have that choice. Yeah, I think uh, Jen and I both personally just had this mindset relative to the pandemic is there's things that we cannot control. So in in a professional capacity, I sold my practice, my financial services practice in 2018. And then Jen and I decided to, on a whim, flip some houses. (laughs) You know, so we're the California version of Chip and Joanna Gaines. That's what we like to call ourselves. She's the designer. I'm the investor. You know, we pull our, our kids in and they get to do demo and destruction and all that kind of stuff. And so we did five or six houses in 2019. And then coming into 2020, we had five more in the pipeline that we were working on. And then when COVID hit, it just kind of really shut everything down for us. And I said, okay, well, I can't control that, but I do not want 2020 to be defined for me personally as the year of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. I want to endeavor to create other opportunities. So Jen and I decided to... work on our fitness. Yeah, we're working on our fitness because we can control that. 
Yeah, that's one thing that we can control. We can. So I'm going to turn 50 in January, and I'm like, listen, I want to roll into 50. I want to roll into January in the best shape of my life. Can I control that? Can I control what I eat? Can I control how much time I spend working out and my physicality and my exercise? And so, yes, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna focus Mm -hmm. on that. We created the Hope Radio podcast out of the pandemic, and so we we want 2020 to be about something other than COVID, other than you know, the fires in Northern California, other than, you know, hurricanes, et cetera. Like what can we do that's a positive, uplifting change in our life that 2020 can be defined as? Because I got frustrated when I see people, well, 2020 is a throwaway year, give it back. And we saw all these memes (laughs) and stuff like that about 2020 and something about Barbara Walters and 2020, I want to redo or something like that. So uh, we just wanted to have it be about something completely different. Well, I think that's fantastic. And, um, you know, we can all do that, right? And I talk about this, I have a a radio show about career invincibility, because, you know, what's on the other side of resilience? Because that's what my book is all about, and my experiences of survival and um, getting to the other side. But it's not the endurance itself that makes it all worthwhile. It's what's on the other side that we get to. And when I looked at my experiences in the weathering of these storms and my, um, the lessons that I learned is that I came through thriving and all of the things that have come about because of those, those storms have made my life so incredible. And so that to me is what the reward is. What we get to do with this is to become invincible so we can never be knocked down by any category five, anything. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I love that. So I guess my curiosity is, is taken over here. So what do you think the steps are to extracting that maximum benefit? So you, you're coming out more resilient, you're coming out thriving. So what, what, what can somebody do right now during the pandemic and their mindset shift, let's say, to come out thriving? Yeah. Well, one of the things I haven't talked about yet, I think is so important, and I'm sure you guys can relate, is that we have to build our own tribes. Right. And I'm not talking about social connections. Right. Because I had, you know, thousands of social media followers and all my platforms and nobody was accessible to me when I needed them. Mm -hmm. Right. But just having one person that I say, you know, I'm going to be there for you no matter what you are going through and let that someone else do that for us. That's the start, the seed planting of building a community. I live in a place that was very warm and friendly, but my close friends were uh, a couple miles away and I didn't know my own neighbors. And I'm sure there's plenty of people listening right now who don't know their own neighbors, who don't have relationships around them, but long distance, or maybe they've substituted their 800 Facebook friends for relationships, you know? And so starting by asking, offering to be of service. That to me is the cornerstone and we can all do that no matter what else is available to us right now, which is be there for someone else, be of service in some way and what you need and what you want will come to you because of that. I love that. I think that's the law of attraction. You know, you're of service to others and others will be of service to you when the time comes. Mm -hmm. And I think you're so correct on that. I mean, I think in the, in the today's age of social media, you, you get into a complacency thinking that you got lots of friends, but you've got nobody in your, (laughs) within a five mile geography of you or, or (laughs) let alone a half mile as an example, you know, and I, and I think we're, you know, we have new neighbors that moved in probably four months ago and we still haven't yet formally introduced ourselves. So like I it's only because we like the old neighbors <laughs> and we're Just, still upset. We're still upset. They moved away. <laughs> this is true. But I think, I think, I think, yeah, maybe, maybe we like these ones better. Eh? Who knows? Like we haven't, we haven't even tried yet, but I, yeah. but I think that sometimes, you know, the, just the mindset of today's, the environment and technology and social media and mm-hmm. things like that, you get into this false sense of, Oh yeah, I got a lot of friends, but you know, do you have a lot of acquaintances and very few friends or do you really have a lot of friends? Right. You know, when 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 the stuff very goes true. down and you need some help, who's around who can get to you within a mile yes. or within 15 yes. minutes or yes. something like that? Building, building that tribe. Well, who's even going to come looking? Exactly. Who's going to yeah. come looking for you? Exactly. You know, and it's um, all it takes is the internet to go down, right? And then you don't have <laughs> access to those people. 
<laughs> and that can happen. You know, it's happened to me. It might happen to those people in Texas and Louisiana today or tomorrow. So, you know, there's a point at which um, we rely so heavily on having access to all the things we've gotten used to and that we get complacent about. And our lives may be at stake one day and these things might not be able to be there for us. What is the biggest life lesson you personally drew from your experiences in these storms? Well, I, well, I'll say it again because I can't say it too much, right? Is is really learning how to ask for help yes. and not put myself in a position where I'm alone because I, um, I would not have been able to recognize that before the storm, and now I can. Yeah, I think that that's a really, really powerful, um, you know, thought to continue to reinforce to people. I think right now, if you're listening and you're going through your own Category 5 storm, whether it be business, whether it be a familial, whether it be, you know, a physicality uh, problem, illness, etc., you know, having, asking for help, relying on people that are around you, taking them into your inner circle and uh, being vulnerable right. to, to rely on somebody. And I think, you know, Christine, we're a lot alike. I mean, I, I don't rely on anybody typically other than my wife. You know, we've been together for almost 31 years. And so like, she's the only one that I, I rely on. But in terms of other people, like I just, I just don't, like I don't ask for help very often. And no. I think that's a, that's a weakness. I think that that's a, that's a chink in my armor. Yeah. <laughs> It's for, for most of us, right? I didn't ask for help on the storm, you know, in the aftermath. Although when I needed rescue, I mean, I was in a desperate situation, so I had to. We don't want to get to that, right? But it's that, you know, how does one pick up the phone when it weighs two tons, right? <laughs> um, it's that, that's why I talk about being of service, right? When you reach out to others, when you're needing something, they will be able to respond in kind. You know, so when I had a working vehicle, which was, you know, damaged, but, but working and the storms, I was out doing water and food runs for my community. And again, people I never knew before or had no relationship with prior. But, um, you know, they in turn would help me keep the, you know, the battery charge, which always seemed to go out after the storms or, you know, help share some of their home cooked meals if they had um, access to cooking equipment that I didn't. You know, those kinds of things that um, you have to start somewhere. And most of us are not going to start with picking up the phone and saying, hey, I could use some help. Right. We're just too it's just too outside of our uh, DNA and it's not natural. And so um, where can we start is build a bridge by being of service to others. Say, hey, you know, I'm here for you or I know you're going through something, or we're both going through this, what do you need? You know, so I could look around in my apartment, what was left of my home and pull things that I didn't need or that had survived and um, was excess and share it with people who had less than I did. And there's always going to be someone who needs something or has less than what we have, no matter what we have left in the storm. I and think, so, um, I was just going to yeah, say, I, I think that, uh, he, you see humanity, you, you see, you see the realness of people, the authenticity of people, those connections that you make when people came alongside you to help you and rescue you and provide support, i.e. I, battery charging or water or whatever it is. And then you doing the same. I, I imagine that was such a forged in fire experience that those relationships you know, like that, the, the, they're born out of that situation. Like you, you never look at those people the same way. I mean, somebody yeah. coming alongside you to provide you with some basic support, some love, some care, some concern. And, you know, right after everything has been wiped out and, you know, like you don't ever forget that. You don't ever forget those moments. And I think that those moments are, are humanity at its best. Right. For sure. Well, that is true, right? And that, and we see that very commonly, right? After natural disasters or, you know, mass shootings, all the things that have happened in our recent history, uh, people coming together. And um, it's the, when the storm passes, whatever that quote storm is, is when we, it goes back to business as usual, status quo, you know, for a while we come together and then, you know, stuff changes, everything, the, the water's calm and, or the people, you know, I, I noticed on the, on my Island that after about a month or so, a month or two, people started getting angry 
you know, because you could feel again, you don't, you're not in the shock of it. So it wears off and then, you know, things start to go sideways again. And then we're back to business as usual. And there's, you know, people gouging for, you know, rents because housing is such a, a, a such a, a minimum and there's all these things. And, um, it's on us individually to not let that happen, you know, to keep what we've learned or what we've experienced, which is why I wrote this book, the resilient leader, so that others would under, you know, so that I would have some contribution to make from my experiences. So to remind myself and maybe others who are going through their own category fives, not to go back to business as usual when the storm passes yeah, and to- take what we learn from these experiences. I think to not let that white noise and the and the 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 fluff of life in general, the the stuff that doesn't really matter, all flood in after the fact. It's kind of like the receding, uh, you know, uh, storm waters, and then the next storm comes, and then it's all coming back to you again. Like you, you got to learn the lesson. You got to you got to you got to rise above it. You got to you got to take those lessons, internalize them, and then help them or make them serve you for your future self moving forward in life and others and. And I think that's exactly what you're what you're sharing. So I, I have a question for you. So let's imagine that somebody right now listening is going through their own Category 5 storm. They're in the midst of it, whether it's a potential divorce, uh, whether it's losing their house, maybe it's losing their business, you know, maybe it's whatever. You know, there's a lot of different examples of that that we could imagine in 2020. So what would be the advice that you could share that might give somebody hope in that situation? Um, you, you know, is there, is there beauty out of the ashes? Is there a Phoenix in the recovery is, you know, can life be far better after the devastation than you ever imagined? You know, what, what hope could you impart on somebody that may be going through their own category five storm right now? Well, I wouldn't presume that I have, uh, you know, I have the ability to give hope to others, but, you know, I know that we can all learn from whatever we're going through and it can uplift us. And I call this harnessing the power of the storm and just recognizing that we're in this thing and being able to see where are we? You know, we have this expression in boating called one hand on the boat. And when I bring people aboard my boat, I'm telling them, when you move around, you always keep one hand on the boat. And what I mean is that you're always aware of where you are, of what's on the horizon, of what the conditions are, of where you're about to step, both internally and externally in the 30,000-foot view. So it's keeping that, it's building that self-awareness and being able to observe yourself and always having one hand on the boat is the best way to harness the power of whatever category five situation that we're in right now. And so everything has something to teach us. And if we stay connected in that way, we can get those lessons. That's, that's good stuff. Thank you so much. I mean, Christine, you've been absolutely awesome. I love the wisdom that you've shared and certainly some life experiences have served you well and, and will serve our listeners well. Uh, thank you so much for your time today and your story and your, and your truth. Um, I, I, I love it. I mean, you're, you're strong, you're <laughs> capable, you know, you're empowering. Um, it's, it's just been a fascinating conversation with you. So thank you so much. Well, thank you both so much, too. I really appreciate the invitation to be here today and of all days. And, you know, when somebody is, others are going through something really dramatic and so visible, um, but we're all going through something. Even besides the pandemic, we're going through something. So, you know, pay attention to what your neighbors, your friends, your community might be going through so that we can all just reach out and offer a helping hand. Yes. Yeah. Make the world a better place. Oh, well yes. said. That's our goal. Make I'm the all for that. Make the world a better, better place. Jen's <laughs> all about cupcakes, rainbows, unicorns. Let's make the world a better place. <laughs> exactly. We can do this. Yes, we, we, can. we got this. We can. <laughs> thank hey, you, thank you. We band together as a tribe. We got this. There's That's no question. Right. <laughs> exactly. Well, I'm better for having you guys in my tribe. So I'm really grateful. Aww. Thank you so much. Oh, that's very special. Thank Thank you very much for your time today. It was awesome. Thanks, everybody. Take care.
So what did you think of Christine's story? I thought it was riveting. I mean, number one, you can tell she's a really smart, very accomplished, very driven individual. You know, like I... I could relate to mm-hmm. her in that way because like I, I pride myself on being that way too. Right. But, you know, she was very candid about acknowledging that sometimes that can be a weakness, you know, like it got her in a, into a situation where she weathered the storm by herself. And in retrospect, she, she thought, well, I always had such a tough ex- exterior. People thought I was good. Yeah. I always had such a tough exterior and no problem. Like my friends, my close friends didn't even know I cried like yeah. over 10 years, even though I'd been through divorce and business challenges and all this other stuff, you know? So she she had that that armor, that facade mm-hmm. of armor. But I think, you know, her acknowledgement that sometimes that can be a disadvantage, especially if you find yourself isolated in a situation where everyone thought you were good and then you've got nobody around to help you, right. you know? But just, can you imagine being, like I, I sit here and hear these, stories and and to sit there for hours you know you and I talk about how we'll sit in the sauna you know for 30 minutes and all those 30 (laughs) the 30 minutes seems like three hours imagine 30 minutes in a 200 mile wind speed hurricane does that not seem like 30 years yeah it for sure does and I just can't even imagine that like it's incredible that she's done that twice yeah like that's insane to me yeah, and and to, and to hear how she immediately thought to start journaling, to mm-hmm. write it down, to to connect to the moment, to you know, I think that there's a lesson there too. How often are we are we too busy thinking about the next thing, the next event, etc., to yeah. even pay attention to what's going on, to have the conscious presence of mind to, to write that down, yeah. to be able to remember that story, to be able to draw lessons from it. You know, I always get excited thinking about people that extract the maximum possible good out of really challenging situations. Yeah. And uh, she's certainly somebody that, that I think has done that. Yeah. I love that. She had said that there's just too much life left to experience. Like that was one of her her go-tos that she was focused on. Like, yeah, like I, I got too, too much, much left, left to do. Yeah. I got too much left to accomplish. This I got too much more. This is not going to kill me. Like I will make it through. And I think that's so important for everybody today yeah. that there is so much for us all to do. Yeah, 2020 ain't a thing. Like it, no. it, there's too much left for you to do. There's too much opportunity. There's too much mm-hmm. of your story left to be written. Absolutely. Right? And so, yeah, we're all going through challenges. We're all experiencing adversity. We're all dealing with unknowns. Mm-hmm. We're all dealing with challenges that that scare us, et cetera, and, and uncertainty about the future. But, you know, the, the story's not done. It's like not. you still got to write your chapters. You know, this could be this could be the prelude to the best chapter of your yeah, life. The biggest story. You just got to get on the other side of it. Yeah. Right. I love that. All right. So if people wanted to hear more about our story, how would they do so? Well, they can tune in on anywhere where they listen to their podcast. Yeah, so, all the podcast stores. All the, the, the stores, <laughs> podcast stores. All the podcast mediums, wherever you consume your podcast. iHeart, Stitcher, Spotify, yeah. SoundCloud, you know. iTunes. All those, I, all those. You can get us there. But you also can reach us on our Facebook and Instagram social medias at Hope Radio Podcast as well. And be sure, please share if this episode yes. touched you, if you thought it was interesting, share it with a friend, share it with somebody, tag a minute. And uh, send it off. You can do so on most platforms. Mm-hmm. So if you want to share the episode, share it with somebody that you know that that uh, might find it interesting. Sharing is caring. Sharing is caring. <laughs> I love that. And I think Jennifer, I think we should do another one of these. I think I'm ha- I'm having so much fun hearing these stories. Like yeah. you, you call yourself the professional listener with a voice. Yes. Sometimes I'm that listener too, listening to this, this these stories. I mean, yeah, I'm trying to interview people, but I'm paying. It to, uh, I love it. I want to do it again. Let's do it tomorrow. Let's do one more. Okay.